0: Hey and welcome to Maths Appeal. I'm Bobby Seagull and I'm Susan Okereke. And the aim of this podcast is to show that maths is for everyone and to celebrate the subject. And this is our final episode of series 1. And we really hope you've enjoyed listening to Maths Appeal as much
1: as we've enjoyed making it. We decided to make this podcast because we want people to feel more confident using maths in their everyday lives. Hopefully our conversations about key maths topics and our chats with guests who are fellow math champions, have helped make math more accessible,
0: engaging, and fun for you. And if you've missed any of the episodes, why would you? <laughs> Give them a <laughs> listen. There are some great guests like Johnny Ball, Alex Belos, Dr Anne-Marie Maffadon, Simon Singh, and Ken Chang. Our guest today is Zoe Griffiths, a math
1: communicator who works for Think Math, a team who visits schools and talks about math in everyday contexts.
0: So we'll hear from her soon, but first, let's get stuck into our topic... Measure, and you might be thinking, measure. What measure? Do they mean something else? <laughs> measurement. Susan, explain why it's measure. Well, it's kind of. It's.
1: I think we're using the term measure because it's geometry and measure in uh, the maths curriculum, but it's kind of just measurement. Yeah really. And, um, and this part of the podcast, we have we sort of split it up into three different points of discussion. One is what first comes to mind when we as math teachers, that's me and Bobby, think about this topic. Uh, how do we teach this topic and we introduce it to the students? And then what are the common issues that arise when we're teaching this topic? So how do you generally think about, what do you think about this topic generally, Bobby?
0: Yes, I think, again, you think of the word measure. So you're able to ascertain Something You're trying to calculate something. Mm-hmm. And what is that something? Could it be the length of an object? Could it be the weight, how much something weighs? Or could it be the capacity, how much volume it contains? So this is actually a topic that is a real topic. Because again, there are some bits of maths that are quite abstract. But I think with measure, it's meant to be a topic for students that exist in the real world. Yeah. Um is that, is that what you see as well, sort of lengths and weights and capacity?
1: Well, it's funny because it's, it's such, again, it's a really huge topic in the sense that it, um, it covers a lot of things, as you say, length, weight, uh, capacity, time, money. Of course, yeah. These are all measurements, also speed, uh, you know, density. Yeah. All of these things are effectively taking something and putting a, 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 a unit to it. Mm. Um, and I think the one that I always generally start with would be met- the metric system. A metric there. means for our listeners that are. Uh, so metric is to do with hundred. Yeah. It's kind of the if we think about length, weight, and capacity. So if we think about the you, the units for length that are metric are to do with meters, and the units associated them um, connected to meters like centimeters, millimeters, mm. smaller, and then um, you've got kilometers. For weight, you've got grams, kilograms, tons, and then for capacity, you've got liters, milliliters, centiliters. And um, I find, like, I really, I enjoy teaching this because if you get the students to understand the words and how you look at the prefixes of these units, you then know the relationship between what
0: uh, the units are. So you can convert between them really easily. So the metre and centimetre, centi is like a hundredth, so one hundredth of a metre. Yep. And then millimetre is a thousandth. 1,000th of a metre. And that's the
1: thing. And the key thing you have to explain to them is the fact that there is a standard unit and for length in metric, it's metre. For weight in metric, it's grams. So everything's related to that. So you've got milligrams for yeah. a 1,000th of a gram.
0: In my mind, I was thinking kilogram, but of course, it's not just a gram. It's a
1: gram. And the kilogram is scaling up. It's a 1,000 mm. grams. Mm. So kilo, 1,000 yeah milli-thousandth, so one over a thousand. Centi one, uh, is one over a hundred. But once the students know this, it's kind of everything becomes a lot easier because the relationships are just multiplying and dividing by ten, hundred, or a thousand. Easy. But that you need to know what those words are yeah. because a, n- a number of students will be stuck with, oh, one kilogram, they don't know it's a thousand, so they'll divide by a hundred or divide by yeah. ten and that kind of throws them off. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of metric is great conversion. I am, if I'm honest, the conversion between imperial to metric or vice versa, I am rubbish It's It's tough, isn't it? Because I think Whoa. in the
0: UK, a bit of facts, you know, there's not a fact time, but I think <laughs> 1971 is when decimalization happened for in the UK for money. And before that, it was, I think, 12 pennies to a shilling, 20 shillings to a pound. So that's 240 pennies in a pound. And people obviously operated that way in the UK. Uh, but they're sort of to bring us in line with Europe and the rest of the world, they brought in the decimalisation, which ultimately led to more things being considered in a metric way. But in the UK, we've still got, you know, miles. Yeah. Or when you go to the shop, you buy pints pound, of milk. Yeah. So we're sort of stuck in this sort of two-way world between our metric decimalised world and the imperial measures.
1: The thing is, what, I, what like my issue is I, I always have to look this stuff up. I think... Students need to know it a little bit, but I think it's not used as much. and I think it used to be they'd come into exams, there'd be questions about it in exams, but it's not as much now. Mm. I think the metric conversion is the key, but because I know that when it comes to imperial and metric, I have to definitely look it up. um but then I think not just knowing the conversions, it's also understanding what those conversions like mean as mm. and to be able to visualize them. So like knowing that a standard on average, person is just less than two meters as an estimate, to be able to like estimate that yeah. other ways and like understanding that, you know, your pinky nail is about one centimeter Centimetre. and those type of things, I mean those makes kind of estimations for things a bit easier and that's kind of the much more applied and practical part of maths that we should be also
0: encouraging people yeah. to be able to do so, you know. So yeah. when you're teaching the topic are you thinking immediately this is a really practical, hands-on topic we try and look at you look outside the window, how long is the playground? How, how much uh, do you weigh? See, or? this is, the, this
1: is it's the question. I know I need to do that more. So, because again, it's a time issue. Mm. Like it's kind of getting students to understand the conversions so they can do procedures. But actually beyond the procedure, it's like knowing, let's say you wanted to they wanted to maybe, like, frame something and you wanted to know whether the frame fits in a certain space in a wall. To be able to look at it and make an estimate based on that length is kind of important. Like they yeah.
0: That's much more practical. Is that 20 centimetres or yeah. 200 centimetres? Well,
1: it's, it's, it's things like asking students, you know, like, kind of saying distance, like, how far is it, say, from London to Manchester? Yeah. And they say, like a thousand miles and you're like
0: no that's, that's too big that's yeah.
1: too, big. <laughs> yeah. too big but it's like knowing kind of like what is a mile how long that might take and uh, um, which i think we should definitely spend more time on in yeah. schools and i'm only really
0: realizing that like now and i find actually this actually leads quite nicely into issues that students face and i think one thing is it's sort of the common sense some of my students they'll like have that procedure but they sort of confuse the procedure in their heads so a question might say convert five meters into kilometres, 50 yeah. metres. And they might say, let's say five metres. Some students might say, ah, oh, it's 5,000 kilometres. And they'll, they'll do it blindly saying, ah, oh, it's, it's one to a thousand. And I'll say to them, okay, so I'm asking you to walk five metres for me. That's 5,000 kilometres. And they step back and then they'll be like, oh, actually, no, it can't be.
1: But but as soon as you start saying that, say, the length of the table they're sitting in front of is about one metre, then, like, what is five of those? And then if you think about what's a thousand of those, how much bigger is that? And then times that by five. So it's trying to, I think, once you've done your thinking about the calculation, because I think loads of people will get confused with just the calculation of working out the number. But then, like, what does that number actually represent? Can you visualise what that means, you know? Which is kind of because actually now in those more of the GCSE exams, have you seen the question where there's a double deck, there's a picture Mm -hmm. of a double decker bus, and then like a
0: a, a, a man, and they say to estimate the height of the bus, yeah,
1: and then there was nothing else given, Mm. so you had to know that. The height of a stand, like an average guy, is like less than two metres, yeah. but between a metre. And then from there, you then had to kind of do a bit of an estimate to get it. And it was given a range of points, but then there's a lot of people, because they don't know what that basic thing is, they can't do the question.
0: Yeah, And it's not a difficult
1: one, it's just, if you know it, then you can do it.
0: So, so again, uh, and if we've got cheeky students, and if they say, "Ah, oh, this person could be 50 centimetres tall... No, this is about averages. Yeah. Because if you're being very cheeky, you could say, ah, oh, but the, you know, there have been someone that's 50 centimeters tall. So, in theory, the bus could be 20 meters high.
1: But it's to do, as you say, it's to do with averages. Yeah. So, if you're taking the, like a majority of people, yeah. what would it kind of be around? But then also, we're thinking not just of you know, standard measure of like length, uh, weight, or capacity, or time and money, but it's also like compound measure. So, if you're thinking about the length it takes, uh, the, the amount of time it takes to go a certain length. So that's like the speed of something, mm. and again, it's an understanding. Or even if you think about if you are buying something in a shop, you're like, how much is that grams per pound? Oh, yeah. So and that's like, what is that weight? How much does that cost? And again, knowing that is how you make your kind of um, comparisons to know whether you're making, you, you know, you're traveling properly, or you, you've changed your speed, or
0: you. Um, mm, you're, ha- off on the again, shop. you're getting the right, the right deal. Like if you're best buying deal, jam and you buy the small tub of jam or the large tub of jam, uh, is it, you know, like £2.50 per 100 gram or is it £2.25 per 100 grams? So, yeah, I mean, it's kind
1: of, it's a huge thing that it's kind of, as you say, really about the reality of life.
0: On that, shall we go to your puzzle, Bobby? Do you have
1: one on uh, measure?
0: Yes. Yes, puzzle time. So, again, let's do an intro to the puzzle. So, your question is, so who are the two lead children characters of jk rowling's books the two lead yeah the, so the, the, the main. The, uh, i know i want you to tell me who the two are okay it's oh, so my personal favorite ones anyway oh, oh i oh i see
1: <laughs> harry yes, potter yes, and hermione uh, granger yes
0: hermione granger so your favorite uh, i used to like ron weasley
1: yeah i was gonna say ron yeah. he's kind of my favorite I the family
0: yeah <laughs> but this puzzle's not about their family oh. it's just about harry and hermione so imagine they're having a running race and sure. Harry is sneaky And he has a head start So he travels, starts at midday And he travels at an average speed of 10 kilometres per hour Right And Hermione starts 30 minutes later At an average of 15 kilometres per hour
1: So she's much, she's faster much
0: Let's say it's not a running race Let's say it's a uh, Quidditch a, On no. a, 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 a broom, on a wizard broom. The bro- the broom race. broom race right. and So the question is At what time will she catch up Harry? Okay, all
1: right, one more time.
0: Yeah, so Harry has a wizard broomstick race against Hermione. So Harry has a head start. He starts at midday and travels at an average of 10 kilometres per hour. Mm -hmm. Hermione starts 30 minutes later at an average of 15 kilometres per hour. So your question is, what time does she catch up with Harry? Fantastic. All right, so
1: we'll return to the puzzle and go through our calculations right after we've heard from our guest, Zoe
0: Griffiths. Susan and producer Jenny saw Zoe do a talk about the perils of statistics at a recent Nerd Night event in London. Then they asked her to be on the podcast, and here she is telling Susan about her math story.
2: My name is Zoe, and I'm a maths communicator, which means I go into schools and talk about maths, uh, and sometimes I go to science festivals and talk about maths, um, and occasionally I do kind of nerdy uh, comedy nights about maths oh, Right again, so how did you get into this? Well I was a maths teacher um, <laughs> back in the day, uh, so I was a maths teacher for about five years and that's kind of when I first kind of discovered that I, I liked uh, communicating maths and I then I worked at the Royal Institution after that, which is, I don't know if you've heard of the, the RI. Explain to our listeners uh, So they um, they run the Christmas Lectures which oh, yeah. are, are filmed on BBC um, for the BBC every year so they've got a lecture theatre um, which is, is where those uh, lectures are filmed Um, But they also do all sorts of other kind of um, things to engage the public with maths and science and get them excited about it, including running uh, something called the Masterclass Programme, uh, which I was working on. So I was kind of organising Masterclasses for primary school students, um, and they are sort of enrichment maths clubs essentially. So I did that for a little bit and discovered how much fun it was to to make uh, workshops and talks. Um, about maths, wacky maths, which wasn't on the curriculum, Um, and then I uh, I met Matt Parker, who runs Think Maths, which I work for now, so that's how I got
1: into my job. Wonderful, so that's kind of how you got to work for Think Maths. What's the mission of Think Maths?
2: Okay, um, so Think Maths is, um, there's a group of us who uh, go into schools and give talks and workshops about maths, and I guess our aim essentially is to kind of Excite students about mathematics and show them a little bit of a taster of maths um, kind of outside of the classroom. So, mm-hmm. sort of wider world of, of mathematics and um, how maths can be used in contexts that maybe they hadn't they hadn't thought about before uh, and in perspectives, from kind of looking at maths from a perspective which might be unusual
1: to them. Can you give us um, an example? So, what type of thing? Because as a maths teacher, yeah. one of the real issues I have, and I've sort of said this a number of times, is you know. When you deliver, when you're delivering the stuff, you have the curriculum to go through. Yep, yep. It can just feel quite dry. Okay. Uh, and it, you know, it's kind of getting inspiration as to maybe how to bring some stuff to life. Obviously, organisation is amazing, but like other than <laughs> kind of ideas that <laughs> we can like. As a maths teacher, I can bring into um, the class. So yeah, some of the examples okay. you. Yeah. Give an
2: example, please. Uh, so all sorts of things. So the other day I was giving a talk, um, which we call the hidden maths of technology, uh, which is um, includes various examples of how maths is used to is essential, basically, for the technology we interact with every day. Uh, in particular, uh, things like barcode scanners. Oh, right. um, so there's an error checking mechanism in them, which means that when you scan a barcode, um, it kind of it will know whether it's correctly read the barcode. Um, so that all uses maths. Um, there's error checking in your phone when you send a a text message to somebody um, so what's the session? How, how, how did you do that? Oh, OK. Uh, that's, a good, uh, that's a good question, so you need, you need to come and see it.
1: <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> okay.
2: um, so I, I guess essentially it's, it's kind of connecting the mathematical methods with the real-life examples I've just given, like barcodes and, right. uh, and sending a text message. And we talk about binary and how that's used uh, in all these Binary the numbers, yep. Um, As so there'll be certain kind of demos to get students to come up and try out things, so a bit of audience participation. Uh, but essentially, like this is just one example but this and kind of all of our talks and workshops, we, we want the students to obviously to use the problem-solving skills and mathematical thinking skills that they learn in the they they hone in their maths classrooms, yeah. um, but just in a in a kind of a different context a context they might not have seen before. Oh, wonderful! Um, so that's that's the gist.
1: And do you generally get like a good vibe from the kids. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, um. wonderful. <laughs> so. Um, so you got into the job, um, and you've been doing it now for how long? Uh, so working,
2: uh, going to schools with Think Maths for about a year and 10 months, something like that, I think. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we do all sorts of different uh, talks and workshops. Um, and so not just hidden maths and technology, but um, one of i I just recently made a talk about misleading statistics. Oh, I saw that So ah, one of the reasons right. that Zoe's yeah. with
1: us is because uh, producer Jenny and myself went to see um, her talk at a nerd night. And yeah, can you, it'd be amazing for you to explain to our listeners okay. what your talk was about because it was very, very informative and also <laughs> very, very funny. Thank
2: you. Um, right, so nerd night. So, uh, so I gave a very short uh, talk, it was about fifteen minutes something, um, a kind of a, a kind of informative but also slash comedy set about how we can be misled by statistics that we see in the media, and uh, involves some audience um, kind of experiments. So, uh, so uh, I did an experiment. Um, about uh, something called randomised response, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think is quite cool. So, randomised response is a method, a mathematical method for encouraging people to tell the truth in surveys. Oh yes, yes, I um, remember. yeah. <laughs> so, so I kind activity. of conducted a, a whole group embarrassing survey and used this method to show, to kind of, to demonstrate how this method works. I kind of ripped, ripped apart various newspapers. There Uh, were a lot of
1: newspapers to report
2: it, it It wasn't always the Daily Express, it was usually the (laughs) Daily Express um, And in terms of things like uh, when they report, uh, there was an example of the Daily Express reporting on a survey that they conducted but where the sample wasn't fair, it was a sort of self-selecting sample. Talked a bit about dodgy charts, there was a funny one with Trump. Um, Different
1: scales, things that, yeah. Yeah, things
2: being out of proportion, bar charts being out of proportion, that kind of thing.
1: Also, didn't it kind of what was the end the the, the climax effect of the? Uh, right,
2: okay. So this, uh, so I I proved that almost everyone in the UK looks like Nigel
1: Farage, which she <laughs> she seriously did, which is bonkers, um, which is mad because I I really don't. But at the same time, I mean, I didn't. I, I,
2: <laughs> I, didn't <laughs> I really cheated put, it. just for anyone listening. <laughs> she cheated,
1: She used misleading stats, so it's, yeah. To prove um, that this, is. this is true. Um, so th- this is something that we kind of. Um, on well, Maths Appeal, one of the things that we were really yeah. trying to do is to kind of open people's eyes to, like, yeah. you know, maths in the real world, and I think what was great about your talk was the fact that your key thing was, like, ask questions mm-hmm. and, like, find out where the information's from and also be critical about what you're seeing. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there's an issue in society? Um. Yeah,
2: so I feel like that talk uh, the the adult version that you saw and also the student version that I've made for students it feels like the right time to be or there's never a wrong time but it feels like pertinent at the moment to be talking about pulling apart fact from fiction in um, statistics that we read in the news. Obviously everyone's heard about fake news fake, fake news uh, indeed yes so I, and it's it's really important that young people growing up uh, are kind of thinking critically about the things that they see so that they can make informed decisions about their life right so whether it's who to vote for in an election or yeah. um, kind of whether to live a particular lifestyle based on health statistics that they see there's so many examples yeah. um, where this is an example of maths in our lives um, you know if we use maths it will change the way we Maybe change the decisions we make, change the way we live our lives in
1: a positive way, and it's also about it's about being informed, with, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: um, yeah, and sort of taking responsibility for being informed.
1: So, what was your relationship in school? You probably, I can imagine, you liked it, hence you yeah. became a maths teacher. But like, what? Well, yeah, what? What were? You, what did you feel about it?
2: Um, so I did. I did like maths. I, I was. Uh, I don't remember a time when I didn't like maths. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have always liked maths, but I, I wasn't hugely. I wasn't hugely into it until I was about 17, maybe something like that. So I, I think I was, I was quite, quite good at it, and that, so that's probably one of the reasons I liked it. I liked getting, you know, doing well, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I ever kind of imagined myself as a mathematician. I don't think I ever really imagined what a mathematician was, but I didn't really think of myself as going and studying maths at all. I yeah. thought I'd do history or English or something like that. So what changed? Um, it's a good question. So I, I went on and did maths and further maths at A level. I think um, I was always going to do maths, and then I spoke to my maths teacher, and they said, well, why don't you start with kind of more A-level subjects? You can always drop one if you, right. you know. So I started with five and did, did further maths. Um, and I think that, that changed I think that changed things because I went to a sixth form college um, from a very small kind of... I grew up in, in Cornwall, so in the countryside and yeah. a very school, small local school. Uh, there wasn't a sixth form. And I was probably the, I was the only person who went on to do further maths at, for, from our school at the sixth form oh, college. Oh, right, OK. Um, and uh, so I went to the sixth form college... And in the Further Maths group, there was kind of everyone else who was the one person in, in their school, <laughs> essentially. You found your tribe. Uh, I found my tribe, because I know, <laughs> I, I did. And I really, I think that meeting other people who were, uh, who were into maths really changed. Obviously, the teachers were, you know, were great, but I think for me, it was more kind of having peers who brought out that the interest community. in me. And I thought, oh, maybe actually, I do, I do like math. Of course I could do maths. So that's the thing I could do. Yeah. yeah, I think that was a... I remember my, the Christmas when I was 16, so it was Christmas of Lower Sixth, uh, one of my friends bought me... A short introduction to mathematics by uh, Timothy Gowers, um, <laughs> which didn't make me you laugh as that a Christmas present, a great Christmas present. Oh! Um, and so I then remember thinking, realizing that you could go into a bookshop and buy a kind of math book, a math book. Yeah, for fun. yeah. So obviously, I, I you know I was, I was into reading fiction and all sorts of you know um, yeah. other books, but I didn't realize that popular science, popular math was a, a thing. thing, a thing even until yeah. I was that age. So. And I think that changed things. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. So, what's your favourite math subject, topic, area? I, li- At the moment, I've kind of been reading a lot about probability and stats, and I like the kind of real life applications, um, as, as you saw at Nerd Night. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, when I was at school, I was. Um, I think the f- maybe one of the things that kind of captured me most, captured my imagination most, was um, discovering about imaginary numbers. And oh, learned. yeah. <laughs>
1: um, Mind blowing,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. Just the idea that there's. The number line isn't just the number line that we know, but there's this perp- number line that's perpendicular to it. Um, and it's and not no one ever de- told you this. But it's also real.
1: <laughs> when people use it, yeah. it's bonkers, yeah.
2: I guess it was just the first instance of um, seeing how imaginative maths can be, and the fact that there was this whole universe of numbers that no one ever told you about. <laughs> um, so I think that was, that
1: was definitely a big moment for me, I think, in, in maths.
0: Thanks to Zoe Griffiths for taking the time to chat to maths Appeal.
1: It was lovely to speak to her and it's great to sort of hear how she kind of got into taking maths education to another level.
0: Yeah, and it's really important for people who are communicators, obviously to come from different backgrounds. Some people have come from university backgrounds, some have come from industry and you need that diversity. But actually, I think it's incredibly important to have communicators who have been teachers in the classroom. Because then they know exactly what it's been like to deliver content to students and students who've got their sort of issues and difficulties and their mm. biases against the subject. And they go, actually, I've been in the class. I understand what it's like when you're trying to teach kids at Friday 2.30 um, <laughs> and trying to get them excited about measure or shape of space. And she's got that experience. So when she talks she has that addition, not that I'm saying people, obviously there are people who are academics who've got great authority, but she brings a different authority from the classroom.
1: Yeah, I think, and what's nice about it is the whole idea that the stuff that's taught, they, they can enjoy doing it without worrying about it being an exam at the end of it. And, you know, it's real life stuff that, you know, students can walk away with and go, oh, there's an actual point in what I'm doing and it can be then connected to the curriculum but it's not based
0: in you must remember every part of this because when we teach in a lesson I'm guess, uh, guessing there's an element of you need to learn this because it's coming up in unit two assessment yeah. or your end of month or end of term end test. of module exam yeah and
1: that's kind of that's quite an easy way to kill the the fun of something it can do, yeah um, and it's also it's just great that there are organizations like think Maths that go into schools to give the element of difference you know, to the math education, I think it's wonderful. Ideally, they'd be working with teachers too, but it's kind of, they are working, it's enhancing the the learning experience, really.
0: Is it time for the puzzle again now?
1: Oh, yes, please. Okay, right. Please, Bobby, tell us, remind us of what the puzzle is. Okay, so
0: Harry Potter has a broom wizard race against Hermione Granger. Sure. Harry has a head start, leaves at midday, travels at an average speed of 10 kilometres an hour. Hermione starts 30 minutes later at an average of 15 kilometres an hour. The question is, what time will she catch up with Harry?
1: Okay, right. So the last puzzle that we did in the last episode, I went around the houses. Next level. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, But this one, hmm, I think I did some lucky guesswork. I drew a timeline, where Harry starts at 12pm, and then 12.30 is when Hermione starts. And so I know in that half an hour, Harry has effectively travelled five kilometres, because in one hour he does 10 kilometres, so in half an hour he does five kilometres. And then Hermione has got, in an hour, will do 15 kilometres, and then Harry will do 10 kilometres an hour, which takes them both to 15 kilometres
0: at one30 Exactly, perfect. I mean, that's all I did. Yeah, that's all it required. Yeah, there was nothing more. <laughs> uh, some people could draw like a graph, a, a, oh. a distance uh, time graph, oh, wait. and then they could sketch the sort of point of crossing over. Um, and I, I guess this question could be made more challenging if the times didn't sort of ni- nicely. nicely fit, but it just demonstrates the issue of uh, you can just set up a timeline and do what you did, like split it up, and you get a nice... Nice answer. I was
1: so surprised. F- if I think about some of the other puzzles you've given me, Bobby, this one was like surprise easy. I loved it. Yeah, it makes you want to come back for more. Oh, I'm gonna, I am gonna miss these because, uh, uh, well, you are the puzzle master, and I can find you in a lot of places, can't I? So thank you for this. As always, one more thing, Bobby. Can you tell us about a matter fact taken from your book, The Life Changing Magic of Numbers?
0: Ooh, so a 1000 grams is what it's what do we call it a kilogram a kilogram and since 1889 it used to be defined by an actual chunk of weight a platinum alloy cylinder locked away near paris was called le grand k or the big k so that literally was the kilogram oh wow and this is the master kilogram and they made copies of this around the world but what happened was because it's like a physical thing it, it deteriorated At it, the lost, time, yeah, yeah. it lost yeah and actually the deterioration was about 50 parts in a billion and that weighs to be actually just a single eyelash, so every few decades they had to go and sort of check replicas against Le Grand K. Um, but obviously, in in measurement, in things like drug development or nanotechnology or precision engineering, that 50 parts in a billion actually can make a difference. So scientists like got together, and in November 2018, they've now changed the definition of a kilogram. It's not so Le Grand K has been booted out of Paris or near Paris. And what they do is, so imagine you've got a set of scales, yeah? Right. And on one side, you've got a kilo, as it were. And on the other side, you've got an electromagnet. And what you do is you keep on increasing the current electricity on the electromagnet till it balances up the kilogram. And the quantity related to the weight to the electric current is called Planck's constant. And there's a German scientist called Max Planck, and it's got the symbol H. Mm -hmm. So actually now, weight is actually connected to... An electric current. A measure of electric current. What?
1: So it used to be a defined, an actual way physical, thing. an
0: actual block that we could take and
1: play catch. Well, heavy catch. Heavy catch
0: with. Yeah. But then,
1: but because it would deteriorate, they've used. They're now using technology to make it constantly the same. It's way. The same
0: wherever in the universe, as long as we've yeah, there's Planck's constant h. <sighs> so now I'd say truly universal, universal.
1: Oh my gosh, Bobby, you really do blow my mind. It's Amazing, thank you yeah, for look, your I've got, I've got
0: Le Grand K here. No, I haven't. And then I was like, Oh, he has, he hasn't. he hasn't,
1: he hasn't, he hasn't. Thank you so much for that. And that's it for series one.
0: And we really hope you've enjoyed the podcast in the series. We've had lots of people to thank. Um, firstly, our guests Johnny Ball, Alex Bellos, Danielle Newham, Mike Ellicock, Ken Cheng, Simon Singh, Anne Marie Mathedon. Catherine Breslin and Zoe Griffiths.
1: Oh, you've been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your incredible math stories. And also a massive thank you if you've given us a nice rating or review or even if you've just recommended Maths Appeal to your friends or students or colleagues. Thank you so much.
0: There are a couple of names in particular we want to thank for showing Maths Appeal love on Twitter and Instagram. We'd
1: love to thank Sarah Niffler-Dalton, Mo, Lynn Carter, Judith Bunton and... Tina Crawford and son Toby thank you for your continuing support and also for getting involved in all of our puzzles.
0: Absolutely absolutely loved your interaction with us and we were recently asking about your favourite online math resources uh, so we're still compiling it but we'll send you um, the top 10 list on our social channels Twitter and Instagram so watch out for that very soon.
1: And we're currently
0: throwing ideas about for series
1: two and we'd love to know your suggestions so again get in touch with us.
0: We're not throwing about Le Grand K. We don't throw about that. Um, <laughs> not, anymore, so, not, anymore, not, anymore. not anymore. Not anymore. But we throw bad puns around here. Uh, so you've been listening to Maths Appeal with me, Bobby Seagull, and Susan <laughs> Okereke.
1: And the music was composed by Kelly Okereke. The image is by Calix Davis. And our producer is the one. Wonderful
0: wonderful 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 wonderful, 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 wonderful. Wizard of Oz. No. <laughs> Jennifer Nelson. <laughs> Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> Nilly, that's a rat yeah. Done.